Hey guys. Hey, Lo. Hey, Kay. Hey, creepy and creepers. What's going on, peeps? What's going on? Well, you look super tan. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, but you look super tan, actually. And I'm over here looking like Pillsbury uh, Doughboy. Well, we had a barbecue on Sunday where we had a very intense family volleyball game. Ah, did your team win? Not very much. No. Oh, sorry. And it was more on my, it was more on my team than there was on Pat's brother's team, but Pat's brother's team was like dominating. And at one point it was me and all the kids, which disclaimer, never claimed that I could play volleyball. I play, but never claimed to be a player. There's a difference, you know? I play. I fill fill in the gaps. I just fill in the gaps. That's it. You're there. You're there to assist. I can serve. I got a good serve. Nice. Other than that. And then, so it was me and then my two nieces, uh, my son, my daughter, and my team versus my husband and his brother. And they, when I say dominated, it was like. They annihilated you. I mean. Like only 21 to like four. I mean, hey, that that four, you guys were probably going strong. <laughs> it going was strong not a four. shutout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Usually on every volleyball side that I'm on um, ends up losing. So I feel you there. But bring me on with some ping pong and we're talking a whole nother story. Okay. At one point I kicked the ball like really hard and hit the pole and took out the whole net. So that was fun. Wow. I got some, I got some applause for that. About. <laughs> I was going to say, were you a poor sport? Cause you lost. <laughs> so you took down. The no, that was just me trying to kick the ball over to the, under the net to the other team so they could serve. And I just had a better aim <laughs> kicking than throwing, I guess. I should have played soccer instead of volleyball then at that point. <laughs> right. Um, so I was outside a lot on Sunday. So maybe. And I've been helping my daughter practice. She's trying to try out for a team. So I've been. You've been getting the vitamin D. Trying to help her perfect her serve. It's hard. She has to do an overhand. It looks so hard. Yeah. It's also like painful. And like, like, I feel like it's 10 times more painful than like, you know, the underhand dinky little serve that I do. And she's under five feet. So. Yeah. It makes things makes things harder because the net that freaking net is tall okay when I like went to her one volleyball game like last year I was looking at the net and I'm like this net is way taller than literally every person on the team like the net is huge so that would explain my tan nice nice I'm under like um I'm gonna defend my paleness then um I'm under like very white lights so I'm just gonna say that that's what's making me look more pale than I am. We're going to go with that. Okay. We're going to go with that. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, I finished Stranger Things. Um, I'm not going to give it away because I know you still have one episode left or like at least an hour and 25 minutes of it left. I know. I suck. Um, I suck. I'm taking forever to finish it. But what is his name? Venka? Vecna? Vecna. Yeah. He's a scary fucking dude. Okay. Like, oh yeah. I had to go to bed by myself after the finale. And I'm like, I need a nightlight. Like, cause <laughs> I, I heard a door close when I was taking a hot bath, which nobody was here. And then I swear there's a few times where I saw something and then I like blink and then there was nothing there. So like he got in my head a little bit. I feel like you got to just play your favorite song whenever just play your favorite song and you will be saved from him. I'll have to find out what it is. I was going to say, I don't know what your favorite song is, but. I really don't know either. So many songs to choose from. Right. Um, it is not running up the hill, but if that's the song that saves me, I will play it like they did 18 times an episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. It will. If, if it saves you from Vecna, you know, any, anything, any excuse. <laughs> I just need my dusty buns. Yeah, just need Dusty Buns to save you. You could have Dusty Buns and I'll have Steve Harrington, okay? <laughs> Actually, I would rather have Steve. You can have Eddie. 
I mean, I'll take it, you know, I'll take, I'll take either Steve or Eddie, whatever. <laughs> I'll take both. I'll take one of them, whatever. <laughs> oh my God. It's getting kinky. Real quick. Yeah. Okay. Let's move along. Different, different kind of <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Crystal, our parents are listening. Okay. I know. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. <laughs> um, so we found a new drink today. Crystal, what are we drinking? We're drinking Yosemite road. It is, uh, a nice little Moscato switching it up um, from, you know, our usual go-tos and yeah, pleasantly surprised. And it is quick and convenient at your local 7-Elevens. <laughs> Even freaking better. Let me just say. Shout out 7-Eleven. <clears throat> Shout out 7-Eleven. You know, I wonder if, if we like, put it in a Slurpee, how good it would be. That's what I was literally thinking. I'm like, you know, I feel like that would actually be bomb. I feel like that would be great. We'll have to try it next time. Yeah, I'm down. I See how so we down. finish each other's sandwiches? Peanut butter and whiskey, man. Peanut butter, whiskey. <laughs> Which, by the way, side note, not really super side because we just said peanut butter whiskey, but I had a new drink this weekend. It was peanut butter whiskey mixed with cranberry juice. And it's supposed to be like a peanut butter and jelly type thing. And I, I was pleasantly surprised. It's actually pretty good. So yeah, I've done it with grenadine. Even that's even better. That's even better than the um, cranberry juice. So, and don't get mad, but I did have some peanut butter and jelly wine with my sister-in-law this week. And I bought a bottle. But the podcast ends now. <laughs> it's there's, over. A, there's a half a bottle left for us for Saturday. Okay. All right. All right. You're back on. You're We're forgiven. Back on. You're forgiven. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I love that's that close. shit, man. That's I haven't close. had it in a while. I know. It's been, it's been a minute, but that's so good. I was at the local liquor store um, by my old house because I was in the old neighborhood. And I went in there to grab a bottle and I couldn't find it at first. And I asked the one lady and she's like, oh, you'll have to ask Tom, you know, and he's the guy I see in there all the time. So I'm like, you know, he's like, hey, what do you need? And I was like, um, St. Julian's peanut butter wine. And he's like, back corner, blah, blah, blah. Well, I went back there and he was taking me to Screwball, and, which is the peanut butter whiskey. And there was a couple back there. They're like, oh, what are you looking for? I was like, the peanut butter and jelly wine. And they're like, oh, I see the whiskey. I said, no, it's a peanut butter and jelly wine. And they're just looking at me like, what are you talking about? So I go back up and the guy's like, did you find it? I was like, no. I was like, that was the whiskey. I said, I was looking for the wines by St. Julian. And he's like, oh, St. Julian's over here. Let me let me look over here with you. And I was like, ah, here it is. He's like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, it's a wine. He's like, oh, it's a wine. Okay. I'm like. Man, I was like, you don't even know the treasures you carry. For real. Like, I feel like so many people don't know about that. And it, it's just like flying under the radar because I swear to God, it would be flying off the shelves if more people knew about it. So maybe maybe we should stop talking about it so that like it's, yeah, it's never just sold advertised, out. Uh, two different wines today. So. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> should I tag both? Three if you count screwball. Yeah, I'll tag all three and I'll be like, we talked about all three drinks um, on today's podcast. <laughs> Check out our Instagram, Horror Wonder Crime. Okay. <laughs> so to, uh, you know, continue on, but on a serious note, this is part three, final part of the Ken and Barbie Killers episode. This Sorry, ep- real quick. Crystal wanted to be rude, but I just wanted to say hi to my best friend, Dex Shepard, real quick. Oh my God, I'm the worst. Oh, I'm sorry, Dex. I'm the worst. You know, and I just literally just like not even, okay, probably more than an hour ago now, but I watched like a, an interview with him and Kristen. So I can't even believe that I forgot him. Okay. Anyways, sorry about that. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is part three and this episode, we're kind of going to be talking about, um, just more of the crimes that Paul and Carla did together and kind of how the story wraps up again, before we start, I do want to give another, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, first of all, go back and listen, but second of all, I just want to give the disclaimer that, uh, shit gets real fucked up so 
if you're not into, um, you know, very intense sexual abuse details and things in that nature, I would suggest clicking off if it, you know, I mean, it bothers me, but like, you know, if it really triggers you. So that's our disclaimer before we get started. Um, But yeah, so we shall get into it. So at the end of last episode, part two, we talked about how Paul and Carla ended up getting engaged at Niagara Falls in December of 1989. So at this point, there's been up to 24 rapes that Paul has done um, and with very, very young women, like, like, I mean, they're girls, like they're 14 years old, 15 years old, like very young, um, very intense, very brutal. So yeah, 24 up to this point. And that's, I don't even know, like there could be more than 24. That's just what has been reported, you know, and I guarantee there's probably more than that. So we're kind of going to move along in the story. If you remember how we mentioned before, Paul took like a really weird special liking to Carla's youngest sister, Tammy, and which is super, you know, weird, especially because we know Paul prefers the young girls um, and shit gets weirder. In 1990, Paul started to pressure Carla to allow him to have sex with Tammy. I, I mean, I can't even fathom like my boyfriend asking me that or like even expecting that or even fucking thinking it you know what I mean like or even looking at her in a way yeah like anything like I just I'm mind blown Carla was basically a whipped bitch for Paul okay she lived to please him and kind of if you remember how Paul was mad that Carla was not a virgin when they got together because he had like this weird obsession of like taking girls virginities especially you know when there was no consent involved um and Paul was like so into Tammy that he would make Carla which I'm gonna use the word make very loosely because I like to point out that Carla is a willing participant in all of these events even if she you know says otherwise Um, But he would make Carla dress up like Tammy and act like her while they were having sex. And the bitch did it. She did it. Like, they're freaking weirdos. Like, that's your little sister. Like, the fact that you would even slightly feel comfortable to do that is so wild to me. And, you know, it gets worse. But, like, even just that is insane. So Paul would continue to lurk outside of windows to watch Tammy undress and Carla would like help him. She would leave windows open for him so that he could watch her. She even broke Tammy's shade so that he could always see in. Like she broke it to where it was like visible for him outside to watch her change and, you know, do whatever he did while he did that, which I'm not even going to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, And, you know, you'd think that could be enough for him. No, he was not satisfied with just this. In July, he brought Tammy across the border with him to get beer. And he later confessed to Carla that him and Tammy got drunk and began making out. Um, That's just weird on its own. Um, You know, she was a young girl and she probably just thought, whatever she got drunk and she thought that she was just like having fun with this like handsome guy I mean it was your sister's boyfriend but regardless she is not the uh she is not the criminal here um and at this point Carla was still working at the vet clinic and she had access to obviously the medication for the animals so this is their plan in July of 1990 Carla stole a bottle of Valium from her vet clinic to sedate Tammy. So they were all kind of hanging out. Um, They made Tammy this like plate of spaghetti to eat. They were in the basement and 
it wasn't a normal plate of spaghetti. Tammy, or I'm um, excuse me, Carla added the dose of the Valium to it, and it knocked Tammy right out, like very soon. Um, and at this point, when she was knocked out, Paul began to rape her while Carla watched. So after this, Tammy had woken up eventually, and they just pretended like nothing happened, which is confusing to me because wouldn't Tammy be like, what the hell happened? Like, how did I, did I pass out? Like, you know, like, I feel like there would be more questions, but maybe they just kind of played it off. Like, oh, you just fell asleep or something like that. But not only that, like, I can tell right after I've had sex with somebody. The only thing that I'm thinking with that is because she was so young, I'm assuming she hadn't yet. So maybe she just felt weird, but didn't know like why. And I don't know. I don't know. Like it, it just feel like you feel like there's something going on down there. Yeah. Yeah, it's super weird how they just nonchalantly kind of move. Because if he was her first, there should have been bleeding. Right. I don't know if they cleaned it up or. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many questions with this because the fact that they all shrugged it off and like kind of moved along like as if nothing happened is just very, very odd. Obviously, I get why they did. But I don't know if she just felt weird and like didn't say anything or like was very confused and didn't know how to like ask. Or maybe she was still feeling groggy because of the drugs, even though she was awake. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that could have been it. Um, so yeah, that happened. Horrible, horrifying. Um, but it it continues to get worse. So on Christmas Eve, which was six months before Paul and Carla's wedding, their whole family was over for Christmas. Um, and Paul had, you know, his lovely video camera that we talked about before. And when the family all went to bed, Paul and Carla had invited Tammy to go with them again to the basement to just hang out. They offered her like drinks, like alcoholic drinks and snacks to watch a movie, um, which Tammy was probably psyched about this, you know, thinking, oh, cool, I'm going to have some drinks and hang out with my sister and her boyfriend. Like, you know, because she was younger than them, she probably thought it was like a cool thing. So, yeah, typical things, except for the fact that they laced her drink with halophane, which um, halophane is anesthesia for dogs because, you know, Carla was getting this stuff from the vet. Um, The drug halophane also compresses airways if you like take too much of it. Uh, It's basically I mean, it's pretty much like a hard drug. And I don't think Carla was like a mastermind with dosage. You know what I mean? Like, especially for humans compared to dogs. I don't think that she like researched up on how much was good to give her human sister. So clearly very soon after she started drinking, she went unconscious. Same thing as last time. Basically, Paul rapes her. Uh, This time, Carla films it with his video camera and it it gets even more sick because she kind of was like coming in and out of consciousness at points and anytime and I guess you can see this on the video I don't I don't know like where this video is or where you can find it I have not tried to look because I don't want to watch it but um apparently like she Tammy's coming in and out of consciousness and anytime she would start to like slightly wake up Paul and Carla had this halophane soaked cloth and they would like press it against her face basically for her to breathe more of it in um, so that she would get knocked back out like immediately. So yes, keeps getting worse. Like it's, it's not going to get better people. So, you know, Paul would rape Tammy and then Carla would take her turn and she would rape her, her unconscious sister. She would, rape her also and this whole thing was filmed on paul's camera like everything was documented the entire the entire situation eventually 
because she's had so much, so many like drugs put in her system, Tammy starts choking on her own vomit. I'm assuming, you know, she's probably laying on her back. And if you vomit, it's obviously you're going to start choking on it, especially when you're unconscious. Um, so Paul and Carla brought her to her bedroom. They changed her and then they called 911. You know, not like immediately, let's call my, oh my God, let's call 911. Like they were like, oh, let's save our asses, clean her up, bring her to her room and then call 911. Um, Tammy had a really bad chemical burn on her face from the halophane soaked cloth that they were putting on her. You know, obviously like she had insane burns all over her face because this like intense chemical was being placed against her skin. Um, so the ambulance got there. But they believed Paul and Carla's claim that Tammy just got too drunk and she got crazy. And with, you know, the burn marks, obviously you would think there'd be some red flags raised there like, whoa, what is all this? So Paul said that it was carpet burn from him dragging her into the bedroom. And they believed him. They believed him. They didn't look further into it. They didn't like test anything on her skin or whatever. They literally just believed his story that it was carpet burn. Some brilliant cops we got over there in Toronto. Okay. At least at that point, I'm not trying to disrespect the cops over there now, but at this time, like really people, you weren't going to look into anything. You know, they had already previously pissed us off in the previous episodes, but they just keep digging a deeper hole over there. So Tammy was rushed to the hospital and she, you know, immediately died like right in the hospital. And they just pronounced it as an accident. Like they didn't test drugs like in her body, like to see if she had any drugs. Like they, they didn't test anything. They literally just took Paul and Carla's word for it and was like, oh, she just got way too drunk and choked on her vomit and got rug burn on her face and died like you know they oh that's what they said so must be true so yeah that really pisses me off about the whole um law enforcement being involved in this situation I just feel like you can't just take people's words for things I understand you know taking all those extra precautions or whatever is an extra hassle but it's necessary because things like this happen especially knowing that she's a minor yeah like why were you guys letting her drink to begin with exactly and she's not even conscious to tell her story right like they just straight up took their word for it and that just infuriates and i also want to say i mean I'm going to continue listening, but Carla's parents, like, hi, yeah, no, I want that tested, like. Right. Like, you would think they would want to find out every single detail about, like, what possibly could have happened. I want an autopsy. I want to know what she drank, how much she drank, everything that was in her system. Right. Which we know their parents weren't, like the greatest but I just feel like somebody in that situation at all should have thought about even thought about doing a test you know what I mean like it's just insane um so it doesn't stop there this with this sick and twisted Tammy situation so three weeks after Tammy's death Carla and Paul filmed a video that is now referred to as the fireside chat okay ew hate that um so it starts in the basement where tammy died both of them are naked and like doing you know sexual things whatever and carla states it's on video like they have this that she loved watching paul rape tammy And she loved raping Tammy herself. She literally says this. And she says she loved watching him rape the other young girl the other day. And even says she wants four kids with him so he can rape them all. 
like I hate even saying this this is just so blood blood curdling is that a word whatever my blood is curdling I don't know if it's a word but that's what it's doing so it doesn't stop there the video continues on there's even more like effed up shit that was said after that like if you can imagine um that I'm not even going to get into but after this video um like it ends up being moved into Tammy's bedroom and then Carla proceeds to get dressed up as Tammy like in her clothes and talks in her voice and then they have sex on Tammy's bed her dead sister's bed that they killed I can't I don't even want to continue like this is just making me sick and this is the point where Crystal's like why did you bring this story into my life (laughs) this story is stressing me out like I, I just you know we talk about evil people pretty much pretty much on every episode you know there's someone who's just like straight up evil like this is just so volatile and disgusting like to a whole other level that like my brain just can't even comprehend it (laughs) you know what I mean like even the devil himself is saying you guys are too fucked up to be here right like he didn't even let them in hell because they are so effed up like (sighs) so yeah that whole thing is just disgusting like the whole I mean the whole situation obviously but like and then the fact that they continued on with it and like played out this thing like three weeks after she died and they're still kind of going along with it is just like just the cherry of disgustingness on top of the disgusting Sunday you know (sighs) yep (laughs) sums it up (laughs) it sums it up I don't have the words right now yeah I I mean I do not blame you I I, yeah it's just like something that you can't even formulate words to (laughs) so a month after Tammy dies Paul and Carla get their own place and they move in together you know Carla's parents at this point it was it's only about a month I'm sure for the rest of their lives too but they were obviously mortified and like grieving and just so sad about Tammy dying and you know instead of like being there for them Carla was pissed that they were sad because they were wanting to delay the wedding Carla and Paul's wedding because obviously the youngest sister just died and they were all mortified and sad and Carla was so mad she like wrote this letter to one of her friends um and basically in the letter she was just saying like my my dad is so selfish like they they don't even want to like focus on the wedding like they don't want to pay for the wedding now like basically just ranting going off and I'm just like this is so heartless first of all you're the one who fucking killed her And second of all, your family's like grieving over it and you're just mad because they're not focused on your wedding. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have killed your sister, you know? Poor Carla. I mean, her wedding and all. I mean, mean, how could nobody be focused on the wedding at a time like this? God, just so, so disgusting. Um... So, yeah, this is still over a month later at this point, and Paul and Carla are still doing the whole sex tape thing with Carla dressed up acting like Tammy. Like, they're still just keep going with it. Um, and I kind of think that this gave them, like, the the thirst or whatever for doing this even more. Like, you know, they got, like, a taste of it, and they just wanted to keep moving more and more in this direction so at this point now you know they're living together they're in St. Catharines um, and they got more into the crimes of luring girls in drugging them raping them and then sometimes um, they would even die which we're definitely gonna get into 
So one of the first girls they did this to, um, her name was never released. So she just, you know, goes by Jane Doe. She was out and met Carla at like a bar or whatever. And Carla was trying to make friends with her, whatever. And she invited Jane Doe back to her place, you know, saying like, oh, let's just have like a girl's drinking night. Let's hang out at my apartment. You know, typical things that people would do, which is even just makes life even scarier. Um, And basically it was exactly like the Tammy situation. Paul wasn't there when they got there. So they started drinking, but Carla used her drugs from her vet place to drug this girl, knock her out. And it was just like the Tammy situation. Paul came when she was knocked out and then they would videotape, you know, him raping her, then her raping her. And then she eventually woke up. And I guess this was like this girl's one of her like first times, like really drinking. So she just thought that she blacked out. Like she didn't think that, you know, she didn't have any suspicions that she was drugged or anything like that. So she went home thinking, oh, I just, I just got out of control. You know, I need to know my limit. So she came back a second time to do like a girl's drinking night with Carla. And obviously they did the exact same thing, but this time, like Tammy, she got too much of the drug and she started like choking on her vomit. But thankfully, Jane Doe survived when she was in the hospital. They were able to, you know, keep her alive. Um, and police had no follow up, no follow up. They were just like, oh, she just got too drunk. Okay, you're you're alive. You just got too drunk. You know, watch watch how much you drink. Um, good luck. Have a good life. She didn't know <laughs> that any of this like happened. That you know she was raped by both of them twice. She didn't know this until you know later when everything came out. And I just can't even imagine like the realization of that moment and knowing that nobody even like had any questions. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine like wait a minute, that's me. Wait a minute, they did what? To what? Right? Ugh. Like how? I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I don't, I really, I can't even imagine how that would feel. Like, yeah. That's so crazy. just invaded. For real. Invaded and like shocked and just like in disbelief and like sick. Sick and twisted and like probably mad like oh my god why don't I remember any of like you know not that it's their fault literally at all but like you know just the process of all the feelings and emotions that you probably go through when you find something like that out um so yeah that was kind of the first girl that they did that with um post post the Tammy situation okay so I'm going to get into the victim side of it Um, And the first one is Kristen French. Um, Kristen French, she was humiliated, degraded, sexually assaulted, and even offered false hope of freedom before she was killed. So these are the elements of an April 1992 videotape. Um, It features French. Um, She is a Catholic schoolgirl. She's struggling to retain her dignity um, and her alleged killer, Paul Bernardo, and his then wife, Carla. Um, The video is shown to jurors on a Tuesday, and the audio portion is heard by spectators and reporters. Bernardo is charged with kidnap, rape, and murder of Leslie Mahaffey. She was 14. Kristen French, who was 15, had pled not guilty to all charges. Of course, because, you know, why would he? Mm -hmm. He's got too much of too much pride for that. In one sequence, Kristen is urinating in the washroom of Bernardo's St. Catherine's home. Um, She's blindfolded and she is eager to ask Bernardo if it's past six o'clock. And he says, you know, yeah. And she's like, my mom's going to be worried. 
and he doesn't care. Yeah, I wish he cared, but he doesn't. And the next scene, Kristen is wearing her Holy Cross Catholic schoolgirl uniform. And it's a kilt with a green sweater. It's seated from a hope chest. On the wall behind her is a picture of Tammy, ew, who is allegedly killed by her sister, Carla and Bernardo. See, to me, that's even like almost like a trophy kind of ha ha ha. Let's put her in the camera, you know, just kind of. bragging bragging what we got away with yeah i see i see no sincerity and no sweetness in doing that there was for sure like a like you said like a trophy sick niagara regional police sergeant gary Ballou explains that bernardo and Kristen is carla homoka who is dressed up in a similar schoolgirl fashion so and in the video you'll see him say tell my as she would call him, Stuffles, um, that you love him, Bernardo demands. And she would meekishly say, I love you, I love you, as she was saying it in a terrorized manner. Later, she would say this 24 consecutive times to Bernardo, whom she is forced to call Master King and most powerful man in the world and the universe. After each assault re- is recorded by the camera, Bernardo tells the teen he will let her go if she obeys. Tell me you want me to be happy, he said, so maybe you can go home later. Her voice quivering between sobs and please, Kristen recites what she is told. I want you to be happy. Do you like the jacuzzi, Bernardo asks? Come on, smile. Christian, smile. He says, mispronouncing her name on several occasions. He's so freaking stupid in the her name. In other scenes, Kristen attempts to connect with Carla, who has already pleaded guilty to her role in the deaths and is expected to testify against Bernardo. They discuss perfumes, including one called Escape, that Carla says that she hates, and hairstyles and, you know, all the girl things. In the final segment of the video, Bernardo beats Christine and rapes her twice. Give me the knife. I'm going to kill her now, Bernardo says, and then tells the teen she is forgiven. Then Bernardo urinates on her and then has her thank him for it. Sick. Sick, sick, sick. Oh, my God. That... You know, that poor girl. And then, like, you know, during court, her parents have to see that, like, to know that your baby went through that. Oh, oh my gosh. God. I can't even imagine, like, as parents having to, like, having to watch that. It's gut-wrenching. My God. Yeah. So then there was Leslie Mahaffrey. At the time of her abduction... This was subsequently, um, her murder was in mid-June of 91, a few weeks before her 15th birthday. Leslie was in ninth grade. Um, She went to Robinson High School in Burlington. And like many teens at age, she wore braces on her teeth, just kind of going through the, the awkward growth, awkward stages of, you know, freshman high school. Fun times. (laughs) (laughs) so on the evening of june 14th 1991 leslie went to the funeral home to attend a wake for her friend chris evans not to be confused with the superhero it's like chris evans Um, a boy who had died in a car accident earlier that week so after the wake a large group of teens met in the woods to drink and to console one another as the evening wound down, a couple of friends walked her home, and it was shortly before 2 a.m. Um, they stayed with her for a little bit because she had found the side door locked. Um, they told her that the front door would be opened or unlocked, but um, as she tried it, she also found out that they locked the door. So assuming they must have got pissed that she missed curfew and lessons were supposed to be taught. Now alone, Mahaffrey walked to a payphone at Max Milk, and they called. she called a friend's house for permission to sleep over. Her friend told her no, 
And after a lengthy conversation that ended at 2.30, she would go back home and wake up her own mom to get into the house. When Mahaffrey failed to appear later that day at the funerals for her friend Chris Evans and the three other teens that had been killed with him, her mother phoned the police. Um, it's now June 18th. Debbie Mahaffrey filed an official paperwork to have her daughter saw and arrested as a runaway. Dang. Oh, my God. Like, I can't. Sorry to, like, interrupt. But where this is headed, I can't imagine how the parents feel. First, they lock her out of the house and then they're going to and then she they can't find her. And they're like planning on arresting her as a runaway when in reality, like she's being murdered. Yeah, God. Um, Paul Bernardo eventually admitted that he had been on Keller Court where Mahaffrey comes was coming home. He was there located to steal license plates. He saw Leslie all alone. He claims he told her that he was breaking into the house next door and then offered her a cigarette, which she said he said was in the back of his car. When she was close enough to the car, he said he wrapped his sweatshirt quickly around her, forced her into the vehicle and took her home where Carla was surprised waiting for, you know, the new house guest. God. Carla's version of the story is very similar, but she claims that once Leslie got to the car to fetch the cigarette, he pulled a knife on the girl to get her to agree. Um, Both agree that Carla was not present during the kidnapping. Oh, so that makes her a good person. (laughs) After 24 hours of rape and abuse by both of the killers, Leslie was murdered sometime on June 15th of 91. According to Carla, Bernardo strangled Leslie with an electrical cord. And second time, when he first attempted, he left her unconscious for a few minutes. Homolka, the veterinarian technician, had access to sedative, um, probably the same drugs that she's been using on her sister and on Kristen and um, the other victim. I'm sorry, would you say her name? Her is a no name. Yeah, the Jane Doe. I'm sure she probably used it on like other people too. So she used this to subdue Leslie, the same technique that she had used on the other victims. And then again, they raped her and murdered her the same as they did her sister six months before. Bernardo stated that he was out of the room preparing the car to transport Mahaffrey to a location where she would be released and then heavily drugged, but Leslie died before that happened. Um, He has claimed that he did not even know she was dead until after putting gas in the car and taking a shower. He tried to pick her up to carry her away. He said that he and Carla panicked, and then he tried to give Leslie artificial respiration. Both killers agreed that they gave her a teddy bear to hold during breaks in between assaults. Bullshit. Out of all this one you try to save, all of a sudden you grow a heart and I didn't mean to. Yeah, what? Like, oh, um, I didn't mean to do this. Also, we're um we're trying to make her feel better by giving her a teddy bear, like as if that's gonna freaking help. And they have two different versions. So, like Carla says he strangled her with an electrical cord, but then he's saying, like, oh, I didn't even realize she was dead. Like <laughs> It's just so stupid. So stupid. So on June 16th, 1991, Bernardo and Carla moved Mahaffrey's body from the upstairs bedroom to the basement. Now, during this time, Bernardo and Carla hosted Carla's family for a Father's Day dinner on the main floor of the house where Carla was making special effort to keep her mother from going downstairs. Like, oh, my God. Um, when the family left, Bernardo and Carla used his grandfather's circular saw to dismember her body in two pieces, small enough to lift when they covered it in concrete. Oh, my God. Later, in confession to her aunt, before revealing details to the police, 
Carla claimed that Bernardo did this while she was at work on Monday. Bernardo's version asserts that she did not help him rinse and bag the body parts. Well, that say you didn't make her do any of the hard work. <laughs> yeah. um, God. Mahaffer's body was found dismembered and encased in concrete on June 29, 1991 in Lake Gibson, which is near the St. Catharines, Ontario. The concrete block containing the torso weighed over 200 pounds. Her braces and dental records confirmed her identity. Investigators immediately believed that she had been raped and tortured. This was confirmed when videotapes were discovered at the home of Bernardo and Carla. Uh, the tapes show that she was held hostage for approximately 24 hours and was repeatedly assaulted and sodomized. After Bernardo's final bid for her appeal, um, the Supreme Court rejected it and the tapes were all destroyed by the Ontario government. Well, I'm glad that nobody can watch those tapes. Um because there are some sick people out there who would like want to watch that. Um, but also I'm surprised that they like destroyed them because I would think that they would like keep them for like, you know, just record or like evidence and things like that. Um, but, but I don't know. At this point, um, Paul had been regularly and intensely beating Carla um, on January 6th of 1993 Carla was admitted to the hospital after Paul intensely beat her with a flashlight and he was arrested, charged with assault with a weapon and released on bail. Now, Carla's family now convinced her to leave Paul. So she moved back home and shit starts just coming undone. Um, After Niagara police brought Carla in for questioning about the domestic abuse situation between her and Paul. Um, They were already beginning to suspect Paul um, being involved in the Scarsboro rapes, which, hi, back to episode one, the whole testing of the DNA thing would have prevented all this. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on, moving on. Um, A month later, at the center of the forensic sciences, they finally fucking matched his DNA. Um, that they remembered him willingly giving and uh, finally connected him to the Scarsborough rapings. Took long enough, took years, literally years, that they could have just prevented all of this. Police tapped Paul's phone now. Um, Carla spilled everything to her uncle. She said they were both involved. She says Paul made her do it and told them that Paul was the Scarsborough rapist. She agreed to testify against him on the condition that she would be granted immunity from the prosecution. The attorney general didn't agree to immunity, but consider to reduce her sentence. She was offered two 10-year sentences, which she could serve at the same time. Fuck. Yep. Yep. That's so, that's so fucked. Just so fucked. A national parole board panel hearing the impassioned pleas of Paul Bernardo's victims on Tuesday um, turned down the convicted Ontario killer and serial rapist's request for parole. Denied motherfucker, denied. Mm-hmm. Sit your ass down. Okay? As he should have been. Oh my God. The jail is a lot nicer than where he should even be. Yeah. So for the second time in less than three years, the families of the teenagers, Kristen French, Leslie Mahaffrey, and the other one, well, I guess we'll continue to call her Jane Doe, they opposed the release of Bernardo, who was serving life at the Millhaven Maximum Security Prison in Bath, Eastern Ontario, Um, A survivor of one of his hacks also spoke for the parole board of the Canada hearing. Uh, Donna French, Kristen's mother, expressed that enduring the pain her family has felt since her daughter's death. For those who say that time heals, they don't know excruciating pain that comes from such horrific loss, she told the panel. Time doesn't heal the pain. The pain is a life sentence. Bernardo doesn't 
designated dangerous offenders has been eligible for parole for more than three years, but relatives of his victims have remained adamant that he should never be allowed out of prison. 2018, his parole was up again and again denied. Um, In his first attempt of parole in October of 2018, it took the board just 30 minutes to reject his request. It just seems that as the ink has dried on previous victims' impact statements, Doug is speaking, and this is Kristen's father, and he goes on to say, I have mustered up all the strength I have to prepare for a second statement. This is painful. This is difficult. This process, I have no words that can capture the depth of the loss and the anguish and the despair. Families of Paul Bernardo's victims prepare for his gut-wrenching parole hearing in June. Read aloud by loyal lawyer Tim Danson, the statement from Debbie Mahaffrey, Leslie's mother, talked about how this second attempt at parole felt like another violation of the lost. And they're just getting exhausted because they have to keep going back and they have to keep reliving this. And they have to keep giving statements and they have to keep fighting. So I can't imagine that they're never going to heal. They're never going to move on. They're just going to live with the pain the best they can. But as it simmers, I feel like it comes back up to a boil every time they have to go to one of his parole things to fight for him to stay in prison. Just leave them there and let it, that be that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the fact that they even have to do that because of just how disgusting and volatile his crimes were, the fact that they even have to f- try and fight to get him to stay in prison is just ridiculous. Like, it should just be like a no-brainer. Like, he's he, he belongs there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't even understand how he didn't escape, how he escaped life in prison with all the murders he did one should have given him life in murder and he's obviously had three not counting tammy because tammy hasn't even got brought up yet right exactly sorry needed a whiskey break understandable for the content (laughs) so 30 years have passed since leslie was taken from us but the memories of that horrendous time they're just as vivid today as they were then. There is no escape for us from this horror. The parole hearings for the offenders like Bernardo, she wrote, should be at least five years apart. In a media briefing over Zoom following the decision, Danson said that the parole board should consider not holding hearings in the same month a crime took place as Leslie was killed in June. You can well imagine that the family is already under extreme stress. Leslie of Burlington, who was 14 in June of 91, when Bernardo and his wife, Carla, tortured and killed her at the Port Dalhousie home. Kristen of St. Catherine was 15 when she was held captive for three days and killed in April of 92. Please keep him where he is. Bernardo has admitted to raping at least 14 women and girls. A survivor of one of his attacks told the parole board that she wants to forgive Bernardo, but she also wants him to rot in hell. Please don't be fooled by this. I am the only living survivor to testify here today. I beg you on behalf of all of us, please keep him where he is. Bernardo was also convicted of manslaughter and the death of Carla's 15-year-old sister, Tammy, in December of 1990, where she was drugged and sexually assaulted and died. Carla was released in 2005 after pleading guilty to manslaughter and serving 12 years in prison. CBC's Alan Moraro, who watched the proceedings Tuesday, said that Bernardo wore a blue t-shirt and listened to the statements without showing any emotions. You remain to be at high risk. The parole board, which also heard from Bernardo, said he won't be granted release on either full or day parole. You remain to be a high risk for sexual reoffending, the board said after deliberating for about 15 minutes. Bernardo spoke about the stress of losing human contact and isolation. Oh, poor baby. Poor guy. I mean, seriously. God. He said he was wrong 
to think anxiety was to blame for his crimes and that he's brought himself to a level of extraordinary restraint. It is not who I am today, he said. No shit, because you can't be that person. Yeah, you have no choice. But I guarantee if he got out, he would 1000% do something like in that nature again. Oh my God, him and Carla would hook back up and have reunions and... 100%. Maureen Gossi was one of two parole board panelists, said that despite Bernardo's claims, he has stopped all deviant and sexual behavior. He hadn't had exposed to women he could control. Again, that's because he's in a four by four cell with nothing but, you know, a cot. So unless he's going to rape the cot, (laughs) he has no choice, which I wouldn't put it past him because he's that stupid. Exactly. Danson said that the family saw Bernardo taking credit for this was remarkable. Bernardo insisted that with his plan, which included medication, therapy sessions, and going to church, he was without a doubt low risk. Bull freaking shit. Yes. That's stupid ridiculous. Yes. And I got all of this from Buffalo News. So that's where my information came from. And I also found just um, some fun little tidbits. If anything, there's nothing fun about the story. There's nothing light about the story. But if anything out of this, I can say that um, if you watch Criminal Minds and if you love the show like I do, there's one called The Perfect Storm. And while it's not directly mentioned or referenced in this episode, it is basically revealed that Ken and Barbie killers were the inspiration for that episode for the unsubs. And then that was in season two. And then in season nine, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson, Bernardo and Homolka were mentioned by Reed um, as an example of a two-person killing team whose members were married and only started killing after meeting each other. So, which is ish, but yeah. So there's two little mentions um, connections and criminal minds. I'll definitely want to go back and watch those. Yeah. And if you love Reed, like we do. Oh, Reed is my favorite little mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> I so, should say the part, I mean, it all makes me angry and disgusted, but at the end of it all, the thing that really irritates my soul is that Carla was just in there for 12 years and got out. Oh, for sure. I mean, and there's some interviews saying that she made it, she went in there um, basically claiming the abuse and looking all bruised and he made me do this and he made me do that. And they made parts of the deal. Um, I feel like they didn't know about the Tammy thing until after deals were made. Oh yeah, they have to, they had to be so regretful giving like offering her that because you know, I get why they offered her that because originally they thought that she was abused and it would make sense that Paul would make her do some things um and all of this, but then when they found all the videos with her willingly participating and like saying these horrible things like and they would have had the evidence anyways cuz they got the videos so like they didn't even need her. Yeah, it's kind of like they just, they wanted him so bad that they jumped the gun. Yes, and it's like, they have to regret that decision so much. And not only that, she's a good manipulator, and she played the victim card, and they believed it, because she was a woman, she came in there bruised up and beat up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just horrible, because she has, I know she has at least one child today, I don't know if she has more than one. But yeah, she's, she she married, didn't she? Um, I know she, she met when she was in prison. She met a guy similar to Paul, um, similar type of guy. Um, so you a know, different a different town rapist. <laughs> yeah, so a winner. Um, and I don't know if she ended up marrying him or having kids with him. Um, I don't know her relationship status as of now, but. She's just like a PTA mom, like living her life. Like, and it's so disgusting to me that like she took away these other parents' children in a horrific, disgusting way. And like, she gets to walk around free, like having her own kids. Like, 
no, 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 no. And also, like, well, how was she allowed anywhere near children? <laughs> well, Ontario people, please listen to this episode. Tell your friends, tell your sisters, your mothers, everybody spread the word so that the schools and PTA people know what she did. But spread the word, get her, like, get her name back out there. Let people know who she really is. Make her. Oh, yeah. Suffer. I heard she goes by um, a few different aliases. You know, I see why she would do that. I hate that she does that, but people definitely don't let her live it down. You know, there's like, I guess, Facebook groups and like people call her out constantly all the time, like in person, like to her face, they like say things to her. So I just hope that she like lives in hell every single day of her life. Like that one story, um, not story, um, the mom that got away from murdering her daughter in the trunk. Yes. um, What the heck was her name? Casey, something Casey. Yeah, I can't think of her full name, but yeah, that was that was horrific too. Like, I don't know. It makes me so mad when people just get away with like the worst shit ever. And there are people in prison for crimes they didn't even do. Oh, but that's Casey a whole other rant. Casey, Casey Anthony. Yes, yes. I know Casey Anthony. Like. I've read articles and seen articles where they're like, she had to dye her hair and change her name. And she can't even go outside with people, you know, they're throwing coffees at her and eggs at her. And she, you know, she can't even live her life. Well, bitch, don't murder your daughter. Yeah. Her daughter can't live her life either. So that's what you fucking get. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, allegedly. Or not, <laughs> For legal it. purposes. She... We didn't do the story, but I know she chloroformed that girl too much so she could go to a party and she ended up killing her. It's just so effed up. I mean, I, I don't even know how you would want to go on like living normal after that. Just we got some uh, sick, twisted people out here. Or how about this don't party and be a mom? Oh my God, you know, that honestly probably would be the best option. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to judge. I'm a mom who sometimes my teenager drives me to want to drink. Right, but you're responsible but, about it. <laughs> you don't drug her. <laughs> no, I just watch her, let her watch the shit show. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's okay. what responsible moms do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was final part, part three of the Ken and Barbie killers. Um, I'm still traumatized after just learning about all this and yeah so sick that people are like this out there um and yeah I just send love to the families you know the families of the victims including Carla's own family which I'm sure if they do not speak to her I can't imagine how they would um no idea about that but (laughs) But I can't imagine wanting to talk to her if I knew that she did that. Oh, my God. No. Like, Like horrifying. I was going to say, so at the end of part two, I kind of left it as in I was going to talk to KK and see if she approved the gift basket category. And uh, (laughs) she did. She did approve. (laughs) She approved. She liked it. Hey, Mikey, she liked it. (laughs) So um, we are going to do a summer fun one. We wanted to do a Father's Day one, but somehow we missed Father's Day. Um, I think part of it was my fault because I moved. Um, Crystal got the vid for a second time. Well, maybe she was sick. We're not sure if that's really what it was, but. Well, yeah, I tested negative, but my sister was positive. So sketchy, but I was sick. So. So things kind of got in the way and happened. Um, Mostly me moving and being a huge pain in the ass. So we're going to do a summer one and it is going to be based on the sleepaway camp movies. Um, It's a 1983 slasher. And. if you haven't seen them, go watch them because they are, they're campy. They're not CGI. So, I mean, don't get too excited, you know. Or don't watch them, wink, wink, and try to get the basket. <laughs> it's 
So don't forget to send your tickets in, 99 cents for a ticket, and it will win you a basket with sleepaway camp and then um, whatever little other things me and Crystal decide to create for it. So let's see, it is July 20th. So we'll say- End of August? End of August to get your tickets. Oh, Suri, Suri wants some. He wants in on the raffle. <laughs> yeah, sorry, my watch was going off. Sometimes Suri talks on my watch when not invited in the conversation. He wants to be part of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, get your tickets in. Um, that will be fun. I have the box set, so I am going to put Crystal through it. Yay! And have her watch it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to put that basket together with KK. We'll put our brains together and come up and stuff. Yes, definitely. So do not forget to enter. Um, it will come faster than faster than you're expecting. So you should just jump on it right away. So you can PayPal us, um, horrorwineandcrime at gmail.com. Or, you know, if you're personal friends to us, keep giving us the cash. Um, check money orders, pop bottles. I'm just kidding. Don't bring me your pop bottles. <laughs> but you know, you know how to get a hold of us. Horrorwineandcrime.com donate button right under the episodes. So get them in, get your dollars in 99 cents and you win a basket. Come on. Can't beat that. Can't beat it. Well, guys, um, that about wraps up our, our episode. Thank you for sticking around and listening for another week yes thank you um we're gonna go because i don't know how much more of our brains and how much more of our emotions can take for tonight i'm done (laughs) emotionally (laughs) drained from this freaking episode but when i say we got another good fun one next week i'm not lying oh yeah it's gonna like i hate to say lighten the mood from this one but like it kind of does you know when you know you know when you know you know you know you'll know (laughs) yeah you'll know (laughs) all right guys well until next time stay creepy we got to go (laughs) bye bye